Okay. Trust everything's tickety boo. Okay. And you've got you press the record button on the camera. Cord, why don't you take a look? Cause I sure. honestly, I I honestly. Oh, now it's on. I think it's on. Yeah, the red light. This stuff, I'll tell you. My, did I tell you my nephew's in uh, film school in Vancouver right now? I gotta go and talk to him. <laughs> I gotta go and talk to him. Like, my heart rate goes up. And now we're having an experience. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, try to keep it below 91 beats a minute, though. Yeah? Anything above 91 and your mind goes blank. Physiologically speaking. Okay. So... Like, like mine just did. <laughs> and, and so laughing yeah. oxygenates the brain and helps reduce the tension and slows the heart down. Okay. Thanks, Gord. <laughs> Always willing to help. Okay, so we're here recording at the university. And uh, as we speak, it's podcast. And our first series is on mental health and sustainability. I'm speaking with Gord Lovegrove today. I met Gord approximately four weeks ago at a Sustainability Leadership Council. So I sat in on that meeting. You made a good impression on me. You, you came with a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of curiosity, a lot of energy, and that whole group was filled with uh, bright, energetic, motivated people. And I felt so comfortable there. I felt like, wow, these people, they're cordial, they're respectful, they're interested. Um, they're all doing their own thing, but they're here to make space to uh, create something new, something mm -hmm. outside of themselves, larger than, larger than their own experience. And I thought, man, okay, maybe there's more people like that out there. I got to connect with someone in this room, and so we, we ended up tracking down one another. We went for coffee, came to the university, sat in on one of your lectures, uh, uh, almost got kicked when out. You, when you, <laughs> I almost got kicked out. <laughs> you thought I was a student. It was the hat. And was I was melting off. Yeah, it was. It was like that hat was it. <laughs> but I stayed and, and I just got more interested in what you were doing. And I hadn't been on campus since, since Calgary and then before that since I was a student. I really started to get curious about what was going on at the campus. I know there's fantastic people and interesting people in Kelowna. Mm -hmm. Where can I go to find them? This is my little effort as we speak to find the people who I think um, are doing interesting things in our community. So our first series that we're doing here is on sustainability and mental health. That's really where I want to start the conversation. That night, the Sustainability Leadership Council, one of your colleagues talked a lot about mm -hmm. communication models, trying to figure out how to have difficult conversations uh, in a way that doesn't escalate. So why don't we start there? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, or let's take this wherever you want to take it. Well, I'm, okay, well, that's even better. That's, that's even just, better. Just, now you're now, now you're in the captain's there, chair. There are no walls. Now it's like, <laughs> yeah. ooh, I got this big, wide open space. Let's see where we're going to go. Let's see. Yeah. So you actually, in just reflecting on why and who you are and, and what you're doing this series for, mentioned I could see two themes woven through your story. 
this series is about mental health and sustainability. And so what's the connection between mental health and sustainability? So, so as, as I'm reflecting on that question in my mind and listening to you, I started to realize, really, this series is about hope and community. And if I could be so bold, I've, I, I have children that have faced bouts of mental health issues. Uh, have, you know, um, so I've, I've got mental health issues in my family. And uh, we all have family of origin issues we come through. So we've got experience and we call it lived experience or baggage or whatever we come through. One of the things that I have found in talking to uh, people, my own family, but also researching the topic of sustainable communities. And really I'm defining a sustainable community in practical terms as a community in which people have a quality of life that they aspire to that can be sustained. Okay, it's just it's just really as simple as that. You can look at it from environment, people, culture, governance, economy, businesses, all of that leadership tied together in a way that a quality of life emanates or is experienced from that is at a rate of consumption or development or growth but at a level that people desire and they say I'm comfortable here kind of like I'm in a safe environment I'm feeling healthier I'm feeling mentally well it's a wellness or quality of life level that is not just desirable but it can be sustained for future generations and that goes right back to when this whole our common future the Brundtland report in the 80s started to start Br Brundtland, Brundtland uh, who was asked by the United Nations to look at the fact that we've we've got some we've got some issues in our planet. We're over consuming, and we've got a finite carrying capacity. We better start thinking about this now. And when what year was that roughly? 1987. Do you know? In in 87. So so sustainable development is is a term that came out of that, and it was about meeting the needs of current generations without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. And that's development. Development that meets the needs. And I think in a more practical sense that spans cultures and around the world, um, first of all, it doesn't always involve development. To me, the, the essence is a quality of life. You could be undeveloped and still experience a very high quality of life, or you can have high rises and density and feel that's a quality of life that you want. But how much does it consume? Energy involved, waste, um, social justice, equity, and is it sustainable for future generations is really where I want to go with that. So each culture, each society. So for me, that's the first thing is, okay, is when so, we talk about sustainability. Right. So before you go further, do you think people know what sustainability is? Do you think there's enough fluency in the general public that people... When they hear sustainability, that they don't just hear a word. They actually say, "Oh, I know, I know that sustainability is about." And correct me if I'm wrong, but balancing the needs of the natural environment, the social environment, and the uh, economic and political environment. Is that is that a fair? That's actually the model. That that is fair. I, I that's the model I most often use. The other one I say is is kind of like because I grew up with boys clubs and boy scouts is, 
um, leaving the earth in better shape than when you found it. Or as First Nations, many First Nations or Aboriginal saying, um, we've been given this planet that we live on by our Creator, not, not to own for ourselves, but to as an, as, as an inheritance for our grandchildren. Right. To give them. So, right. so it really ties multi-generational, and there's many different ways so to you, look at it. Are you adding, uh, would, you, would you say that in, a, in addition to the other things that w I picked out? A spiritual, cultural dimension? Yeah. Absolutely. Or would that be fit into one of those three? It, it, well, I, I, I've often heard they split culture away from social, and, um, and I don't have a problem with that, but I, I kind of encompass that in the sense that it really your quality of life is what your culture defines it as. And so no matter where you're on the planet, if I ask you what defines your quality of life, you're going to come up with different answers. But that's what works for you. And so it's automatically assumed in there. And I think, therefore, we can keep it simple. And engineers like things simple because I can remember seven at the most at one time. And we're all about equations. But even the average person who asked a question first has a hard time with the word sustainable communities. Because it took me 30 years of my career to get to a definition I feel comfortable sharing with people is Really? Yeah, absolutely. Because You're kidding. Yeah, absolutely. This three-legged stool, the one, the one that you just mentioned, yeah. you know, economy, people, environment, and yeah. it's balanced by leadership as the seat of the stool. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, it still doesn't always talk about well, what's the end goal and quality of life that we aspire to is the goal. We, we want to have, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, shelter, security, food, and then self-actualization up there, right at the very the ultimate... When, when, and that's why I like to pull in the word quality of life. And that actually resonates with so many people I've found out uh, recently mm -hmm, in, in mm -hmm. writing books and contributing and just having discussions. People resonate with the phrase quality of life. Mm -hmm. So if we can say we're, when we talk about a, a sustainable community, it's a community in which the citizens, the visitors, the businesses have a quality of life that they are happy with that can be sustained for future generations. And so... What's interesting about that is um, I've been also plugged into a lot of social issues here, not just through the election, but in my research and teaching, and one of them is homelessness. And homelessness is very closely linked to mental illness, and as I said, with my own family, uh, having gone through it. And so we've been doing research and seeing a lot of the core issues and, and, and root causes of homelessness are related to mental health issues, uh, uh, loss, you know, family breakups, uh, poverty, and then of course there's symptoms, you know, right. crime, homelessness, right. yeah. and, and mental illness can be part of that. Yeah. But I'll tell you a story that I think helps define it a little bit better and, it, and brings it, it wraps it, why I think sustainability and mental illness are absolutely, it's really interesting you bring them into the conversation because I think they are related and it's, it's like this, you solve one, you solve the other and vice versa, you work with them. And, and I think uh, when you do achieve a sustainable community or that quality of life that you aspire to that you're happy with that can be sustained that actually addresses the stigma and 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 the resolution of mental health issues in the community and and that's why I think it's absolutely critical along with other issues but I think f for the stigma test as, as you've articulated um, you need one in them, and, and 
they're both highly integrated. And so to continue the story, I'm at this homelessness uh, workshop put on by the city of Kelowna's Journey Home Task Force. And this fellow walks in about 45 minutes late. Now he's just been in a faith-based group and he walks in and I recognize him because I helped him uh, when I was volunteering for uh, Freedom's Door in Kelowna. And they are, they, they're a society that helps men whose lives have blown up. And often it's mental health related, but... What was the name of the... Freedom's Door. Freedom's Door. Okay. So he's, he's uh, they're, they're, they deal with addiction, mental health, and everything else related to um, helping people pull themselves back together and get on their feet on the street. And he's walked in and he's like looking a million bucks and I'm going, wow. And I had just been listening to a lot of the presentation about the root causes. And I had asked a question, I said, I'm not hearing, where's the word hope in here? And they were humming and hiring because, and this gets to your comment about uh, the, the culture or the spiritual dimension to sustainability. I think it ties, that's the tie to mental health. I think when you look at this person walking in the door and he's a million bucks, I asked him, what, what got you off the street, man? What, what? And he hit the first word out of his mouth, and I'm not lying. My wife is there, my mother-in-law was there, my father-in-law was there, hope, hope. He said, hope and community. And to me it was like, oh. So it's one of those moments where I felt vindicated but also it connected a lot of dots for me because remember a lot of us out there who are looked to to come up with the formula or the answer on we're going to do it this way because that's more sustainable you know what we do mm. we do research to find the truth the truth's out there right there's voices of wisdom everywhere around us so was it that when he said hope and community you're like you're like that's a confirmation of the work that i've been doing that's my point. My gut feel, my research, and yeah. what I've been observing wow. came together in one of those moments that so occurs. So it all landed for you then. <sighs> it was You're like, like, oh, this is why I'm doing what I do. Because remember, I had invested in this fellow's life. Okay. I got out of my comfort zone to volunteer. Oh. And that's where I met him. And so everything came full circle. And he's walking in like... So that wasn't easy for you to do. This was... The, the, the investing was something I have done a lot in my with boys clubs, but I'd never volunteered for men's shelter and a recovery house. So in that sense, it was new, but I had a, I brought somebody with me. You're going to do something new? You're going to try it? It's a little uncomfortable? Bring a bro. Mm -hmm. You know, bring yeah. somebody, moral support. And, yeah. and we had a great time. And it was successful, no problem. Loved it. And thank God, you know, positive result. And, and he was the living proof that there was a contribution. And, and what was cool is as we talked, I said, well, define that. And he said, well, through his faith that he's found, mm -hmm. plus through his bros that accepted him where he was at mm -hmm. and gave him life lessons, to, life skills, and just kind of helped him clean himself up, slow down, stabilize, and then um, a relationship, right? By just being there with him where he could accept and listen and trust what they were offering mm -hmm. and, and then receive it. And, and there's, a, there's a phrase that talks about, you know, hope in a future yeah. uh, to prosper, not, not, not to, not to uh, break down. And 
I've seen this before in my research, where people are given hope because they're actually given tools to help themselves. Mm -hmm. So there's another expression, we've all heard, feed a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Feed a man, teach a man how to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Well, for me, knowledge and understanding, first of yourself, what you're going through, being accepted, trusting relationship, community, and then actually having them not just hold you accountable to help you lift yourself up, but teach you how to stand alone, kind of like this. You know, ability to make a decision. So really what happened in Africa with the AIDS epidemic, grandmothers. The link between what this fellow said and what I had researched previously that started formulating that, let's call it hypothesis, I don't know if it's that deep, but was that grandmothers taking care of their grandkids because the AIDS epidemic had wiped out a generation in between of parents. Were getting, they felt hopeless, but AIDS agencies didn't just bring in food, and they, they also brought in help in the way of education for sanitation, safe sex, uh, drinking water, health care, and educating, and educating the grandparents. And they were given hope. They had access to radios to continue to have relationship and, and connection. And the uh, tools were given them to help them feed themselves fish or make decisions in life, take care of their kids. Hmm. And they rediscovered hope and they rediscovered how to pull the community, create the community, take care of their kids, their grandkids, and move forward. And more importantly, it was right in front of me when this gentleman came in and said the same th things. He had a community and he had hope. So, so it is about relationship. Seeing it, experiencing it, it really brought it all home for me that, that we need a sense of community, and that to me is a critical factor towards sustainable communities or a quality of life that you can sustain is you actually need people to take ownership of their community to, to, to own a relationship with you and me, you and I. Like in relationship. Your, your next door neighbor. Or exactly, exactly. Knowing that snotty nose kids that uh, might be vandalizing or living yeah. and say, hey, Johnny, pick that up. Or whatever. Yeah. Just, yeah. you know, my, my, I think you and I have had the conversation before about me as a kid uh, borrowing my mom's favorite centennial dollar bill and before I got home from spending it on candy at the store I was caught red-handed and, and that as a kid takes a village to raise a kid taught me don't steal you know bad guys never win it was a fantastic way just at, a, at an impressionable you know the, the foundation years of age six years old or something to just teach me do right you know things like that and then he said hope and to me having a plan a way forward, learning some life skills, gives you hope for the future. And for me, when we talk about communities that, you know, whether you call it sustainable communities or a quality life they can sustain, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and this whole train, mm -hmm. well, now that talks about th something else you were talking about. Relationship is about connection. Mm -hmm. Connecting to our valley neighbors. And maybe, maybe ultimately it's the reward of an engineer to help solve people's problems because then they're happy. And when the world is happy, engineers are happy. So just the last piece of a reflection on that. So engineers literally means yeah. ingenu, which right. comes from genius, which really comes from create. Creating yeah. solutions to people's problems. I mean, yeah. we're just trained in a critical system thinking, strategic level of analysis right. and problem solving. Oh, yeah. And that's really an artist, 
does the same, same, same thing. thing. Same and, thing. And, and and we're just yeah. we're we're just same taking thing. knowledge and truth right, right. that others have discovered. Right. And we, we're all operating with the same uh, basic uh, hardware and yeah. software, yeah. pretty much. And it's just a matter of like, uh, this is the interesting thing for me with is with sustainability is is how with the right framework everybody can get plugged in. Going way back to what was his name uh, at the the nineteen eighty seven. Start with a B. Gro Bruntland. Bruntland. So, can we safely say that if the train left the station in 1987, and if we look at where Cologne is going to be uh, 10, 15, 20, 25 years from now, mm. can we safely say that that's is it, is it a is sustainability an inevitable conclusion for Kelowna? For this process that we're on, <clears throat> as a culture, not just Kelowna, but our country, and uh, the more and more we're connected as as a world. No, it's not an inevitable. It's not. Because it depends on your leadership, right? Remember, you, you you said it yourself. The balance, the balance between competing priorities of business, of residents, visitors, and the environment that really encompasses it all. That's one thing with the three-legged stool is it. It treats the environment as, as, if, as if it's just a separate lake when really, think about it, the air we breathe, the water we need to live, uh, the air we breathe and die within two minutes if we don't have, the water that we die if we don't have within two and a half or four days, food, food security, we die without, you know, within maybe two months. Um, that environment, that ecosystem, the biodiversity must be top priority. Everything, people, economy operate mm -hmm, within mm -hmm, that and a lot mm -hmm. of people say well you take care of business mm -hmm. then we can take care of the economy it's mm -hmm. the other way around you take care of the environment first mm -hmm. that's sacrosanct ALR yeah. food yeah. security yeah. sacrosanct yeah that allows our businesses to thrive that allows our people to be fed and thrive healthy in a healthy way so we are in a competitive environment and if we're all a part of this sustainability conversation there is a jockeying for position some people are going to say, yeah, the environment's important, but like you said, they're going to have their own ideas. Their own, they've made their own conclusions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do we have that conversation? How do we have an honest conversation mm -hmm. about part of, part of the, what I want to do with the As We Speak podcast is to do a series of these long-form conversations. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, you... You have brought forward this topic of sustainability. You've done. You've helped to unpack the idea in general, and you've suggested that uh, you've, you you're you're working the uh, you're working to solve a problem where uh, a train or a, there's a transportation solution uh, that and land use and land use. So the next guests that I bring in. I'm going to be interested to know if if there's something that where we can get uh, oppositional views, and I'm curious to see, and I and I'm and I'm certain there's experts out there. I'm not one of them, but I would love to get, for instance, like a behavioral psychologist, or a behavioral uh, economist, or an economist in general, someone who can help to unpack the mechanics of our conscious experience, how we. How we make a fun make functional decisions, you know, implicit bias is one example of how we make decisions that actually aren't attached to our purely rational 
capacities as individuals. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely we right. end up getting attached to other motivations that we frankly aren't even aware of. So that's a, that's another topic for next time. But I, I appreciate the fact that it feels like we've come to a, an understanding in, in our conversation because we are mm -hmm. limited in time here. But this might be a place for us to sort of um, press pause. Mm -hmm. um, but what we can say so far is that um, we can agree on, you know, sustainability is, is a, in this conversation, is, um, it's, a, it's a framework, it's a, it's a lens through which we can uh, understand our world. And again, the, uh, make rational choices. Do them together, do mm -hmm. them as a community, build relationships, mm -hmm. and find a forward direction. And, um, you know, we, can, we, we can't choose outcomes, but we can choose uh, our actions. Absolutely. And, and actually, just to actually really wrap with a bow on it, uh, I'm going to reference Dave Waldron, who was at the Sustainable Leadership uh, Council meeting, where he said what we want to have a direction is where we want to be in 20 years. Let's say, pick a future and then backcast and that's what he says. What do we actually want in the future? And then reverse engineer the necessary steps, when and where and how, so that we achieve that future vision. Because if we just say we'd like a denser community, that's not saying where we want to be. We can set some general goals. But what we need to do is say no. And, and this gets a little bit more radical, is that what do we actually want as a community? Now, I would like to have that discussion and you could get people in the room. So yeah. If we could agree on that, yeah. then I actually think not only is there sustainability, there's mm -hmm. hope yeah. for the future. And that's the second part. That's the Community second part. And hope. Yeah. Yeah. Really important. And so uh, I'd like to maybe have the option for us to have a follow up on this. Because sure. that part two is actually I think a key part of where we need to go as a as a community sure. in terms of fleshing out that narrative a little bit more, getting people into the room and, uh, and, and getting a little bit messy with it. So It, it is a challenge, I'll tell you. It's, it, yeah. I, find, I call it herding cats. Yeah. Because uh, it, it should almost, you said this is um, speaking. What was the title of this? As we, as we speak. As we speak. I wonder if we should call it As We Listen. Well, yeah, you could do that. Um, but um, the only reason I'm throwing yeah. that up. Well, is listening is a big part of it. It's is so key. People have to it's be so ready. Well, it, yeah. it, 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 listening means a certain degree of open-mindedness. That's right. <laughs> and, and so to be... Letting go of the reins a little bit. Well, and, and I'm a control freak. Right? I, and I'm me too. Girlfriend. Yeah. I'm a control freak. Yeah. So yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. You know, um, are you prepared to allow your opinion uh, to be changed? Are you allowed... Are you prepared to... Um, let more, shall we say, truth into your universe and, and the sphere of how you operate, because it's, it, it, it might actually change you. You might. Well, I'm going to quote uh, uh, David White, another David. He's the, he's the poet, and he's got that fantastic quote. He says, no one can remain unchanged if they're having a conversation. A, a, a true conversation. And that's that's where, what I'm after. Absolutely. 
So we'll, we're going to see if we can keep this conversation going. For sure. Um, but it started here today uh, on the campus at UBC uh, with Fort Love Girl. Somebody help, cause I can't find my way 